Hey guys, this is Darshan Mumaya. And this is Naman Shah. We are back with our second episode of our podcast, Casting Commerce. Finchers is a fintech startup that is being founded by IIM Amdral and IIT Delhi alumni. They are building a product that helps simplify, uh, simplify longer news articles to just a read of few minutes. Finchers was started by foundation of four people, and today we have one of them to enlighten us on how their journey began and how it all worked. That so today with uh, us we have Mr. Shreyat Karkera, co-founder of the famous newsletter Finchers. uh hello sir we are really happy to have you today and uh, we really grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule for this so uh, a lot of us uh, are you know great fans of finchards from uh, the right when it started like we are, i am personally you know reading it from the very beginning uh, when finchards approached the campus so uh, i i really i mean love the articles i really love the infographics there's there's something to learn each day so uh like it's really i want to know about like how how it all started sir like can you just give a you know brief idea about like how it started what was your journey of the startup yeah hey naman glad you asked that question actually i mean uh the fact of the matter is i suppose most people see us today as being just a newsletter but i can assure you that's not necessarily what we started with um so right out of college i think one of the things that we were trying to solve for was was sort of this abysmal retail participation in the indian market ecosystem um now you have to remember that when we started we weren't necessarily trying to get more people you know using let's say the newsletter that we have today but then we were simply focusing on stocks financial markets um we just wanted to see why people weren't trading as much and what we could do to sort of solve this problem and initially we thought the problem was perhaps on the execution side i mean when you go on let's say zeroda which is you know obviously um the the leading stock broker in the country right now um as a novice i mean as as somebody who's never traded before if i were to go on the platform and sort of you know trade stocks it seemed like it was a very complicated sort of journey for me especially with 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 the um with with most of the things that you know we know about stocks right buying selling even even the simple act of buying and selling can be extremely complicated if you if you're not well versed with sort of the lingo that's that's you know that's common in the industry um so we were trying to solve for it on the execution side we believe that we could build a platform that could that could you know simplify this whole process so there's a there's an excellent uh, startup in the US called Robinhood which sort of you know sort of you know simplify the process to a to to an extent where when you're buying and selling stocks it almost feels as if you're buying and selling stuff on on amazon right i mean you add to a cart and then you place the order and then you know the transaction is done yeah everybody everybody's happy um so we, we we sort of wanted to break down the whole process and sort of get it down to a point where anybody can access stock market investing but then we realized that you know perhaps you know fundamental at a more fundamental level besides the execution challenge maybe there's something else there i mean um yeah we still have only about i think it's it's less than 2% of the people that are that are sort of actively investing but if you actually look at the proportion that trade on an active basis you're looking at a very very tiny number um so we saw okay fine if 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 you know if we even if we focus on the execution side i don't think we'll make much of a dent but how about we try and get more people to trade as is how how about we educate people um so that they come and they they encourage to go to a zeroda or go to an upstocks go to go to other brokers to sort of you know buy and sell stocks um and and that's when we realized suppose you know i mean back then the hypothesis was very simple 
we thought maybe the reason why you know people aren't trading is not necessarily because there's execution problems maybe because they just don't understand it i mean how many of i mean you know, pe- 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 you know just, just to give you an example i remember talking about this you know back in the day um when you look at uh, page industries for instance right i mean, nobody knows page industries everybody's no jockey i mean i mean jockey is something that everybody's aware of but but right. when you look at page industries nobody knows page industries is perhaps one of the most successful stock in the comp- i mean in 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 sort of you know um the market ecosystem that we have today it's yeah. it's 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 outperformed so many ways that you you can't even imagine right i mean it's a stock that everybody is comfortable with everybody everybody should know about it but they don't right so we thought okay fine how about we bring these stories in a way that's more accessible to people and maybe that will get them excited right i mean if i can invest in a brand that i use on a daily basis maybe that will help me sort of you know get acquainted to the whole buying and selling of stocks so we started with these long form articles where we sort of you know took these popular popular scripts i mean talk about titan right aishar motors right you know royal enfield um page industries chalky um nestle right i mean these are products that you interact with and we sort of condensed them we told amazing stories we we made it seem as if you know these are brands that are relatable this is what you can go buy and sell on the market as well on the bourses so once we did all of that we thought this will solve the problem unfortunately even though we were writing these long form articles we saw that the people that were reading this stuff were necessarily the newbies that we wanted to target and these were people who who, who were actively trading day in and day out and they they were just reading it for fun so we weren't making a lot of dent either way so ultimately what we decided was this was not going to work to get you know more people into the ecosystem perhaps we should even sort of drill down a level below right i mean go back to where it all starts finance economics policy right maybe that'll sort of you know get people excited about finance as a domain and maybe you'll see you know maybe you'll see more people you know perhaps you know like stocks i suppose so that's how the whole whole transition began right from college to solving for the execution problem to then you know drilling down to to you know just talking about finance so yeah how oh, so that that's really nice like that's this is really a nice story of how it all started so so like how you told uh, that you want to make people aware you want to educate them so there are very few people who would take up this uh, challenge to you know make people aware so usually people uh, after they complete an mba what they do is they choose a mainstream route and they just uh, get through uh, the placement and then try to get a job for themselves but what made you take this risky move to you know start uh, start a startup venture yeah uh, well i mean it's 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 another excellent question but um i suppose i don't have a very uh, a very solid answer that perhaps be you know perhaps encourage more people to sort of follow this entrepreneurial route because i mean i can i can talk to you about my personal journey uh, that might not necessarily be the journey that my other co-founder sort of you know went through but but for me personally i suppose even after you know when i was doing my mba in the first year and the second year i think one of the most profound insights that i gathered during those two years was was i could sort of see how my life was going to pan out after i complete my my graduation my post graduation right i mean i could tell exactly what was going to happen i'm going to be perhaps a sales manager in this place and then i'm going to be promoted to a regional manager and then maybe you know 10 years down the line i'm going to do something maybe 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 you know okay what about regional manager then then what right maybe cxo then maybe you know if i'm lucky really really lucky i'll probably make it to ceo when i'm 50 55 um 
it almost seemed as if my life would sort of pan out in a way that was perhaps very mundane and i i think i think i was i was scared to death about this idea that my life was going to turn out in a way that's extremely predictable and that's simply not an exciting way to live i suppose i just didn't feel that that was a very exciting way to live i mean i i remember thinking about this i mean it's a, it's, a, it's a rather philosophical idea but but if you could for i mean if you could you know sort of chart your life this way i mean what's the difference between the past and the future right i mean if you know exactly how your future is going to pan out what's 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 necessarily separating it from the past so i had sort of this you know a profound philosophical conundrum i suppose in the in the second year and i realized that i have to do something about it because if i didn't perhaps every single day after this very moment i'll wake up every single morning thinking about existential dread right what am i going to do with my life and i suppose i was very scared of that so all i was looking for was an escape right escape from routine escape from certainty i know it's counterintuitive but but that's essentially what it was i mean for 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 all the yeah you know, for, for for almost all of my life i think i ended up pursuing certainty right certainty in the sense that okay i'm going to get my degree i'm going to do this i'm going to do that but then when it was almost coming to an end sort of you know when we were wrapping things up felt there was there was a lot of uncertainty that i really needed right to make my life exciting to to sort of spice it up um so i think i was looking for an escape and placements really weren't necessarily you know something that i was looking at it's like i said it was very very boring so anybody who sort of was willing to offer me an escape i'd have taken taken them up on the offer and and at the same time uh, one of my classmates i mean you know right now co-founders with me pawan i think approached me sort of saying well you know he was doing a, he was working on a project on retail participation uh, financial markets etc and he asked me if i wanted to do something and and funnily enough he wanted to me you know he wanted me to be a uh, a cto which is you know because i had a tech background so he thought i i sort of fit well uh, what he didn't know was i i i couldn't code to save my life right i mean i was i was terrible at coding i i i don't know how i got my degree in computer science i i just couldn't do it but the the sort of the existential dread that i was talking about was so overwhelming that i decided to lie my way through i told him i could do it i i told him i'd be a cto and i i obviously never did it but but the fact of the matter was i was looking for an escape so desperately that i chose to lie my way through this whole to this whole initiative and i said okay we'll we'll do it right we'll we'll go ahead and and that's sort of how we 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 actually started for me personally right all i was looking for was an escape i wasn't looking to change the world i don't think i i had the entrepreneurial spirit in me i don't think there was this fire in the belly that everybody talks about there was there was nothing like that i think it was just desperately trying to look for an escape and when somebody gave it to me i just pounced i i mean i just pounced on it i think i think that's and i know like i said it's it's not a story that most people like to hear but but that's how it happened right i mean that's that's how my journey began i suppose with entrepreneurship wow that's really great but uh, this escape actually turned out to be something which is really really nice so yeah uh, okay uh, coming to my next question yeah since uh, you you started with something called finception and after that uh, you know uh, it got changed to finshot so uh, what what like what was the journey like what, what is finception and what, how it became finshots right so i think that's that's an interesting journey as well like i said you see although i was looking for an escape once you sort of you know start a startup so to speak you're married to it i mean for better or for worse um till death do us apart sort of you know you you're married to the startup i mean there's there's no escaping that either so it was like you know it cuts both ways i know i was looking for an escape but then again once you're committed to it 
you're not just committed to yourself you're not just committed to the startup but you're also committed to the two or three people that are sort of you know um uh, you know pinning their faith that you know the startup will work out because we were risking a lot i mean bear in mind right after an mba i know i was looking for an escape but i you know let's let's not you know let's not doubt another fact that you know i was very privileged to to be actually looking for an escape my father bore a brunt of the loan burden for me so i didn't have like a, a massive loan yes it was 20 lakhs but i think i had like 10 lakhs which was which was i thought was reasonable it's still it's still like a a fair sum but i thought it was reasonable and so i decided that i could actually pursue this route so i was very privileged in that sense um but but one sort of you know uh, we actually got to the uh, to 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 the to a place where you know we were committed to the startup we had to do something right so i i wasn't good at tech right so so we couldn't you know build a product because i don't think at the time we didn't have any sort of tech exposure so there was no way we could build a product so ultimately we decided you know we would do the only thing that we could do right uh, which is which is right i mean for for all that's worth right most of us are well versed with sort of you know analyzing companies etc so so we started inception with the simple notion that um we will do the one thing that we can which is which is sort of right about stocks and and we'll do it as 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 perhaps as as simplistic as possible um and so so we began writing about stocks we we tried we tried and you know we tried and we, tr- we tried to do the best thing that we could with with inception unfortunately what happened was our hypothesis failed right i mean like i told you most of the people that sort of were reading about the stocks were necessarily people who were already involved in the markets and because they weren't very excited you know i mean we weren't excited about the fact that you know we weren't getting new people in we had to change something and luckily for us right by the end of the first year i think we had got to a point where we simply didn't have any resources to continue so we were doing odd jobs here and there i mean we we take up anything right we do portfolio management for some people we meet shady brokers on the alleyways we we sort of you know we 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 pursue any leads that were possible obviously nobody's going to invest in a content startup i mean let's let's just let's just be honest with you right i mean even with you and with the audience i suppose nobody's going to invest in a content startup so if you invest so if you if you're sort of pursuing this path of creating a content startup that's something that you should know about back then we knew about it it's just that we thought you know we'd still be able to convince convince a couple of suitors which which obviously didn't happen so nobody really gave us any any second thoughts on on investing so ultimately we were left with with a product that you know that was targeting a user base that didn't want to target to that we didn't want to target to and then we were left with dwindling resources and so we did we had very little money us you know our stipend barely covered our running costs and and so we had to switch something up uh, luckily for us at the same time we we published this this very funny video uh, which was a which was sort of a uh, uh, an explainer on how jet airways sort of fall, fell apart i'm not sure if if you know you had the chance to see it but it was one of those moving bar graphs moving uh, bar. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so, yeah so so we put some epic music on it we spiced it we spiced it up and and we sort of you know pushed it online and and i think that video went viral um i suppose i think we got like a million hits you know um cumulative on on twitter on other social media just like you know in in a matter of just one day i suppose and and a lot of people started noticing us and it was at that time that you know nitin kamat who's the founder of zeroda sort of reached us out and said you know you know maybe we could do something right 
and and so when he came on board he obviously was looking to just grow the ecosystem right he wasn't a traditional vc who was trying to um trying to invest and then sort of walk away with with an exorbitant return irr right so that that wasn't necessarily what he was trying to do so he was very willing to invest in us and obviously with with the resources and with the confidence that you know um zeroda will be backing us um we could actually try out new things and so we decided that we were going to put finception on the side burner and then perhaps focus on something that would get young people interested in finance and so that's how this idea of finshots you know sort of i think broke ground um so yeah so that's that's i mean essentially it was just one viral video that sort of gave us the impetus to say that well okay fine let's try something else and and obviously finshots has you know i mean based on the past one year at least i think it's worked out well far you know far exceeded our expectations at least so yeah so clearly most people seem to be you know relating with 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 finshots so yeah that's how it panned out that's uh, that's really nice uh like since you mentioned about um, uh, nitin sir uh, like he backed like you were backed by zeroda so uh could you you know little uh, you know touch up upon that ki how it how did uh, zeroda come to know i mean how it all started with zeroda journey with like now uh, you you have an article called finshots market as well like yeah. uh, that's in collaboration with them so uh like what happened that you, they you know contacted you like you mentioned about the jet airways video uh, yeah. and but uh, like he he would have already uh, like he would have asked you about something right what's your future what's the future yeah. like anything like that i mean you maybe you can t- touch a little bit upon that yeah so so let's let's go back to that day right i mean i remember just you know like i said it was a very depressing i think a couple months during that time because after we launched you know before we launched the video we were des- you know we were in no man's land i mean the fact of the matter is you have a I mean, you know, even though i didn't have as as much of a loan burden as the other co-founders it was still it's still massive right so you're constantly thinking about this right how am i going to pay my rent next month right what am i going to tell my parents i can't keep asking them money it's it's i'm already old enough so i have to sort of you know figure out a way to sustain myself so there are all these thoughts going ahead and then you're also working on the startup that that perhaps you know it's 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 doing reasonably well but we're not able to generate enough cash flows to sustain ourselves so 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 i i still remember at the time when we launched the video it was it was a very sort of i think um a somber you know atmosphere back 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 home right with with me and the co-founders and everybody right um and and when we got the call we didn't get a call from nitin we got a call from uh, we got we got a message actually we got a message from kartik rangappa uh, so kartik heads the varsity division of zeroda right so zeroda varsity is the, their educational initiative and perhaps it's the best resource out there for young people who are trying to understand trading you know investing and and it's free right it's free to use i mean i personally learned most of my you know i think early days when i started out you know learning about investing trading you know most i i, I always went to varsity so varsity okay. is, is perhaps one of the best resources out there so so i think it is kartik who reached us you know reached out to us and he said you know what it, you know this this is good stuff that you've already been doing um would you like to meet nitin right i mean obviously i mean who would say no right when you when you have a yeah. chance to meet nitin i was like okay fine we'll we'll meet nitin and uh, and i remember you know while while flying back to to bangalore because we were in ahmedabad at the time we we flew back down to um, you know bangalore and we were supposed to have this meeting this conversation and uh, obviously you're scared you're 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 like terrified right what are you going to say to this man uh, you don't have a lot to say we didn't know where we were heading right we were you know publishing these long form articles a few people liked but then again there's there's no real end goal to it we thought we'd be able to do something but then again we weren't sure if it was going to work out 
Um, so on the night, I remember me and Banu sort of sitting in a hotel room and discussing what we were going to say the next day, right? And I, I remember making a very brave call. I mean, it was just, you know, we had a discussion, both of us, and we said, you know what, we're now going to pitch this with a deck, right? We're going to we're going to throw away the deck and we're just going to have a conversation with him, right? We're going to tell him exactly what we want to do. I mean, by then we had some idea, right? We, we needed some money, but we still knew that perhaps we, if we could move away from Finception and do something that's that's sort of you know still right right in our sort of you know ballpark, and then then you know perhaps extend it that's extend in a way that's perhaps more accessible to people, we 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 would get somewhere. I mean, I was confident about that. So so we just went in, we had the conversation. I think the conversation lasted for no more than thirty minutes, I suppose. And there wasn't one question about you know um, about revenues, you know projections. There was nothing, right? There was no cash flows. There was, I mean, I think the only question was, what do you want to do, right? Okay, if I if I if I give you this money, right, what are you going to do? And 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 I think it was it was perhaps the most organic conversation we've had because up until that moment, any VC that we spoke to, I mean, barely. I mean, more often than not, you'd you'd get you know, you'd get questions like, okay, what does Finception do? I mean, I mean, I know for a fact that VCs are very busy people. But then again, if you if if you want to be sort of investing in a prospective startup, you might as well read their stuff before you actually come, right? I mean, that's that's sort of you know that's that's how I thought at least. But more often than not, we'd get these you know sort of vague requests without people have even without without even people having gone through this stuff. So we were very skeptical. But then when we went there, right, Karthik had read I think the entire website. We had close to easily close to twenty thirty thousand words there, right? So he had gone through the entire website. Nitin had read most of our stuff. So here were two people who had actually done their research, who had read our stuff, who would actually tell, oh yeah, yeah, that story. I remember that was that was very good, right? So I remember having this conversation and feeling well, you know, I mean, I understand why Zerada is here right now, right? So it was it was very sobering to be in that presence and. And like I said, it was just 20 minutes of figuring out why we were so passionate about this, what we were going to, you know, I mean, if we had the money, what we'd like to do and how we could do all of these things, right? And yeah. and he just, okay, fine, right? This this works for us. And that was it. That was 20 minutes of conversation. No numbers, no projections, no revenues. And obviously he he had sort of that leeway to, to do that because he was investing a, a modest sum by by relative metrics at least, right? It's it's not modest for us. But by relative metrics, when you look at the kind of investments that happens in the VC space, it's quite a modest sum. So I think he had the confidence to say, you know what, I can make peace with this, even if this whole sort of I have to write down, you know, write off this whole investment. Um, so we had the conversation for 20 minutes and and boom, yeah, next day we get a mail and we said, okay, we'll we'll sort of wrap this up. So yeah, that's how the collaboration began. And and I couldn't be more happier because it's it's just been the most amazing sort of, you know. Um, amazing experience working with Zerudha and Nitin and Karthik and everyone there, right? It's 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 been amazing since then. Hopefully, we can continue to do that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, sir, like how you told uh, Mr. Nitin and Mr. Karthik had read uh, certain articles and had some kind of re research about uh, uh, conception. So mm -hmm. then, uh, like once even they were a reader, like all of us who read Finshots today. Mm -hmm. So choosing the right article to hmm. make sure that if this is elaborated upon, people hmm. are going to like it. So what is your viewpoint on choosing the article that you, you plan to elaborate daily? Right. I think I think it's a you know it's it's a mix of two things actually. Um the first thing is of you know, we we still a, a website that sort of simplifies financial news, right? So we want it to be news. 
and news is a very distinct definition it's it's in the news it's happened maybe you know a couple of days back a couple of weeks back it's still in the conversation and so we ideally want to pick a topic that perhaps is you know making news per se that's that's very simple right that's one aspect of it but the second aspect of it is that once you actually go through the news right you as a reader we always believe that the reader has to take away something of value and that that could be done in many ways right for instance a lot of people might have heard about let's say you know something that we wrote you know just just a couple of days back um you know uh, imports to you know let's say, sorry exports to china indian iron ore exports to china sort of were increasing drastically right and that's the news headline right more more people said oh well you know because because you know there's some problem in brazil there's some problem in in i think australia so so china is obviously you know turning to india for for importing you know for meeting their importing needs and so that's like the you know very very sort of simplistic um uh, surface level definition or surface level understanding of what's happening and then we look at that news element and say hmm i wonder why india exactly i mean fair enough right i mean you know india is still one of the large exporters but but why india is there is there something beneath that so you know if you if you can sort of dig deeper and then you can find something that's that's that that makes the reader go wow i didn't know that right that's that's something that we'll pick for instance in that iron ore story i i just you know i remember digging digging a bit and then i found out that most most chinese mills still land on blast furnace Right, I mean that's okay. Okay, blast furnace. How is that connected, right? And then I found out, okay, you can't shut down a blast furnace that easily, right? Okay, that makes sense. But but why India, right? And then you find out, oh, if you're not able to shut down a blast furnace, the only way to sort of keep it running is to put junk steel in it. Sorry, junk iron ore in it, and then get junk steel, even if it's not selling, right? At least they can keep the mill. Sorry, at least they can keep the you know the steel mills running. i mean that's sort of you know that's a that's sort of a connection that suddenly makes a lot of sense and we felt that okay fine if if a reader were to read this he'll still walk away with something of value he'll have learned something about blast furnace he'll have learned something about how these sort of integrated steel mills work and he'll learn exactly why china is importing from india and that's a story that i believe most people would like to read right so so every time we pick a headline we see if we can sort of dig down deep and find something of value something that'll make the reader go wow right um, obviously i'm not saying that that we're successful every single time but at least that's sort of the goal where we want to be so so that's that's sort of our our sort of approach to picking news and obviously that also means that you know there's there's sort of a bottleneck there we won't find as many articles all the time right that's one of the reasons why we stick to just one article and it's also one of the reasons because you know we you know we we pride on writing a certain way so we want to keep the style intact right so we can't hire a bunch of writers and get them to write a lot of stuff and still hope to sort of um you know meet the same conversational style that that we try to you know meet every single day so yeah so that's that's sort of you know the idea behind how we write each story so like i believe that you you edit you are the editor of the team and like you uh, you know before publishing you are the one who checks everything so like uh, what like what is the like what's the team structure like i mean uh Well, like there since there are four co-founders banusha bouncer and lokesh right, right 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 yeah so 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 i you know i mean we've, we've got actually i mean most people don't know this but we have like a very tiny sort of uh, editorial team uh, for the for the for the longest time i think for about 3 or 4 months it was just me writing so i was i was writing every single article um and after that we you know we hired a business writer 
Um, so we have uh, right now we have Vedika, who's who's an excellent writer. So she helps me sort of you know source stories, and then obviously we you know we we create the narrative, and and I might edit and sort of push it, right? Um, I might add my own insights, stuff like that, right? So so we actually we until until about a month ago we were just working with a two person team um, on the writing department at least on the editorial team. It was just me and it was just Vedika, right? So it was it was it was just the two of us that was sort of pushing stuff. um but now you know obviously we are trying to get um, articles that are perhaps you know slightly more elaborate slightly more researched and stuff like that so we've hired uh, 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 another another person on the team um so yeah it's it's just a three member team now which is which is effectively what what we are um beyond that we actually don't just do content i mean that's that's perhaps you know what most people think and rightfully so but but i think one of the things that we were also working with zeroda was in building a financial planner and and we put sort of a uh, you know a lot of our, our resources on that project right so we have a team that's that's significantly tech because you know we had to invest a lot of resources in building the back end systems the front end systems so so we 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 took a lot lot there so so lokesh who's our you know who's our uh, uh, cto he heads that that part of the project and i think we have close to four or five people on the team on the tech team right five six people i suppose yeah so so we we do that and obviously banu sort of you know banu puts everything together he manages the calls he talks to the vcs um he he does most of most of you know the work that that you know in a startup you know everything something always keeps cropping up each day right so he manages all of that and pavan is obviously responsible for the outreach program i mean the fact that you were able to read our stuff was largely thanks to pavan because he sort of you know went to each college he talked to your people and you know he had the conversation and then he was largely responsible for pushing the newsletter to 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 places where we thought you know would would be best suited for for the kind of stuff that we were writing right um, so that's that's essentially how we work uh, obviously we have plans to you know do more uh, clearly we were already working on the financial planner um, we also have other plans that we're working on other products um unfortunately we couldn't launch the planner because of covid and sort of you know um i think what's happening in the capital market ecosystem right now uh, so we've had to sort of you know rethink some of those ideas but yeah we're still actively working on other products that help people make better decisions right not just not just in terms of understanding finance but also in terms of investing and and perhaps you know making better choices um so yeah so so that's something that we're working 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 on as well so like since you you know spoke about financial planner so uh, i mean uh, currently even people like, are actually looking for something uh, like that since you know people have lost i mean at least in stock uh, markets like people have lost a lot of money so right. I mean, what exactly is that i mean if you could brief about that like what how is it going to be yeah look we we approach this problem in a slightly different sort of i think um, angle because because up until up until now right i think most people are not necessarily helping you to plan your finance but i think they're trying to sell you mutual funds now obviously that makes business sense right um because you're going to make money selling mutual funds not a lot if you sell a regular mutual fund you still make 1 2% that's that's good enough for most people right um so so obviously most of them you know started with this premise that they have to sell as many mutual funds as possible and that's how the market system grew but obviously with with direct mutual funds you know i mean the fact that you know you could just sell mutual funds without even taking a cut all of that suddenly went for a toss as well so now if i'm selling you mutual funds i just can't make any money out of it right so so that's where we were coming from and we were thinking okay if there's no money in mutual funds right what will people pay for 
And the only thing that people pay for, I think that will add considerable value to the customers as well, is perhaps a financial plan. And by plan, I don't necessarily mean that I'm going to give you some some sort of, I think, uh, a PDF by saying, okay, you know, spend 15,000 on, on groceries, spend X on this. I, I don't think that's what we were getting at, right? I mean, most people work with, um, um, I think, an average income that, that just that doesn't even exceed 50,000, right? So you're probably saving 20, 30K each month maximum. I mean, that's, that's, you know, you're still pushing that, right? And with 20, 30K, this, this, you know, you're, you're still working on, I mean, yeah, people would categorize it as savings, but then again, most people are still living paycheck to paycheck, right? So, so what can you do to sort of change this, this, this behavior? Right? So, so we had a few ideas. For instance, I remember my brother having made a very terrible financial decision early on. So he bought a house in Bangalore and he's still sort of, you know, struggling to, you know, keep paying his EMIs. Now that was a terrible decision that sort of shackled him for the next 15 years. Think about that. One decision that sort of horribly set his track off completely, right? Now, how do you prevent that? I mean, who's, who's trying to prevent that? At least we couldn't find anybody on the internet. So we thought, okay, if somebody were to sort of tell us, okay, this is what we're working with currently, right? This is my income, right? Here's what I'm roughly saving. And here's how, you know, my career is probably going to pan out. We'll tell you if buying a house is perhaps comfortable, is it affordable? Right? Should you should you sort of chuck it, right? I mean, the, 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 the only sort of value add a financial planner can really provide is to, re is, is to come and tell you, bro, don't do it. Just, just don't buy a house right now. It's, it's a terrible financial decision. So we wanted to sort of automate this and, and give them critical insights that will help them sort of make this decision. So if I were to now tell, you know, if I were to go on, on the planner, I mean, we were calling it Bloom. I mean, you know, so, so if I were to go there and tell, okay, this is what's happening, right? I mean, planner clearly tells you exactly that this is unaffordable. And here's why it's unaffordable, right? You're saving 20,000 a month, right? This would mean that, you know, four years down the line, if, if you had to sort of, you know, I don't know, go get married or something, right? Or you have dependents, um, that's that's not going to work out for you, right? That's that's going to put you under immense pressure, right? So it's sort of this intelligence system that tells you exactly why, you know, certain decisions don't necessarily make sense. And we sort of nudge you to make better decisions, right? Don't do this. Here are the trade-offs, right? And if these are the trade-offs, here's what you will be saving come retirement. And if it's if your retirement is not sort of you know uh, going to be pleasant, maybe you should sort of you know you should sort of tweak some of the decisions that you're making right now. So, so that was you know the the final plan. But also a significant part of the plan was you know to provide an execution platform. I mean, if you're saving at a rate of let's say three percent, if you're compounding your savings at a rate of three percent, which is what most most savings bank you know, savings account offers you. I don't think you'll make much of a dent either way, right? You'll have to compound it at seven, eight percent at least, a fixed deposit at least, right? Um, so, so, so we were sort of, you know, you know, trying to put together an execution platform, and we wanted people to invest in bonds, etc. So, so, so as to reduce volatility, so as to give them more confidence to say that, you know what, my my money is not going to go for a toss. I'm not going to see significant drawdowns. If I invest hundred rupees, I'm not going to see my my capital erode by ten rupees and 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 my portfolio at ninety anymore. So we had all of these ideas, and and that's what we were supposed to do. But unfortunately, what's happened is the bond market is completely crippled. There's volatility in the air right now, right, with stock markets. So what we have essentially is a system that that doesn't necessarily exude trust. Some people would say this is the ideal moment to invest. Well, we didn't think that was perhaps the most prudent thing. So we sort of had to step back and say, you know what, we're going to put it on the back burner. Let's 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 sort of see how all of this pans out, and then we'll perhaps you know slowly ease our way into into introducing this product to the masses. So yeah, so that's 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 sort of where we are right now with the financial planner. Yeah. 
Oh, yes, sir. So uh, after you spoke about the financial planner, uh, there's one more thing that you are able to provide uh, your users to keep them hooked to your uh, your app, and mm-hmm. that is the infographic section. Mm-hmm. So how do you get the idea of you know starting this apart from having the articles going side by side, the infographic section? Right. Uh, so see, here's one of the things that we learned early on, right? I mean, to get people to read anything is extremely challenging. I mean, even if it's three minutes and it's very simple and it's just, like I said, it's 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 narrative based, it's it's extremely compelling, you're still not going to get a lot of people who are going to read your stuff. So, so what's the only alternative that we have? Well, we could make videos, I suppose, but videos are very resource intensive, right? You have to spend a lot of sort of, you know, hours, man hours into figuring out what's what's something that could perhaps work well, right? And And that didn't seem very appetizing to us as well. So the only thing that we had left was to find was to was to look at infographics and right? we thought you know infographics is something that's easily shareable right? people share it on a on on you know it's it's very easy for somebody to share it right articles they still you know it's it's still a step ahead right you still have to make the commitment to say okay who's going to read my article but everybody looks at an infographic right because there's no time commitment at all so one of the reasons why we did was 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 to simply say you know what if you're trying to reach as many people as possible perhaps the best way to do it is to find something that's very little resource intensive right it doesn't take a lot for us to you know churn one of these infographics out i mean it still takes about maybe you know four or five hours of research and you know making it pretty and stuff like that but four or five hours is far better than three or four days that it would take for a video right so it's much easier to do that and and it's much less resource inten- intensive than even writing an article for that matter i think article takes easily um six or seven hours right and that's not just my effort that's you know vedika's effort etc then we have to put together a cover image so that's that's you know that's still you know 10 15 man hours right every single time but but when it comes to an infographic that's that's very sort of you know very easy to 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 get down and and it has you know exponentially higher reach than sort of you know the articles that we write now somebody might ask okay then if it has exponential reach if it's less resource intensive why not just keep doing infographics well the problem is with that is very simple right if you do an infographic you're essentially a website that does infographic if you're doing print shots okay if you're educating people you're a financial educator right which means people trust you people trust you for their information people trust you with 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 the narratives that you that you sort of you know um yeah, that you build with respect to financial stories and effectively the relationship between a brand and the customers evolve and and, and sorry the readers in this case evolve very differently right very very differently so so that's one of the reasons why we still have to stick to you know doing our articles because that's is considerable value to our daily readers there but then again infographics sort of you know amplifies that reach much more so so it's much easier to go down that route simply to bridge the gap between reach and sort of the product and the image as a brand that we're trying to build right so like so basically from what i understood uh, the infographic act as you know building traction to the product and like finchot is obviously for educating everybody uh, like, yes all right yeah that 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 actually makes sense and, and uh, actually even the infographics you know give us a lot of information to uh, like that that also helps that's also kind of some some kind of information which helps us you know keep in mind so yeah even uh, that sort of adjust so like coming to my next question uh you know like there'll be at least uh, like see finchot is currently free completely free right now and yeah. uh, everything uh, uh, we are getting a new a daily newsletter like but is there you know going to come some time where you know somebody will have to pay for finchot or maybe like some so what will, what is your future going to be like i mean uh 
like will it all be paid or like how is it going to be or right. what will be the mode of generation of revenue right right um so that's that's a good question i think that's something that you know a lot of people ask us because um um i think i think one of the things that we constantly get is how are you able to push out high quality articles um you know by keeping it free right i mean it doesn't make sense um well to a large extent it doesn't make sense in the sense that well you know most people would like to see revenues right off the bat but i think for us one of the reasons why we raised money is to simply figure out and it's not like i said it's not exorbitant sums of money relative to what what happens in industry standards so we we you know it's still fairly a modest sum but the reason why we raise that money is to be able to experiment with a lot of stuff right so one of the things that we are trying to do obviously is to is to is to build the planner is to build all the other peripherals that we sort of want to and and we sort of like to keep the the product free as long as we can right i mean right now we have no plans of monetizing it by putting a paywall um that's something that's that's not sort of you know something that we're looking at um uh, we have explored a few sort of sponsorship deals etc but then again right right now we are not necessarily cash strapped as such so we can we still have leeway to do other, other things one of the things that we'd like to do and i'm not saying that this is how it will pan out because you know the future is well extremely uncertain especially when you're in a startup right things change overnight so you can never say what's going to happen let's say you know a fortnight from now um, so so one of the things that we have you know sort of planned is to sort of keep fin shots free right but then again prod people to 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 use other things that we sort of built so that you know that will add value to both the customers so, so the the people that use the product and then obviously us as well right we 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 think a better way to sort of monetize fin shots is not just through fin shots alone but sort of the other products that we're building we we feel that that there's there's still a lot of work to be done in the financial ecosystem and i think the way you go about doing that is not by forcing people to buy mutual funds or forcing people to buy x financial product i think people have to have considerable value provided to them before you ask them for money right i mean if if all you're trying to do is shell out the mutual fund that's that's you know based on this silly recommendation engine that you've built that has no basis in reality right especially you especially since most people don't even ask you what what's the kind of money that you're making right it's just yeah. they'll, they'll tell you this is your recommended fund well how did you recommend it to me right i mean what information do you have very little information so to speak right so so right now this there's, there's a lot of work to be done and i'm not saying that you know, we'll be able to solve all of these problems but ideally right we'd want to we'd want to solve solve these problems through trust i mean we've built this brand on trust we've not spent a lot of money on marketing we haven't gone you know to to big brands and said okay fine you know help us sort of promote the brand none of that right the only people that have promoted us are people like you i mean you essentially were sort of you know i mean you you were sort of the people that built finshots not a lot of people realize that but most of our readers i mean right now we have a we have we have a decent sort of you know variety in the kind of readers that we see but early on it was just college students right and they sort of you know introduce it to your parents their their siblings you know they 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 tell them their friends about it they tell the teachers about it right i mean that's how we sort of grew and and if we are going to sort of build a brand in you know premised on trust we want to leverage that trust to sort of say okay fine here's here's what we can do for you here's here's all the other things that we can do to you right help you help you help you stop making stupid decisions that you otherwise would have made right buy an insurance for that matter right i mean most people i think suddenly uh, fall into this trap of financial ruin overnight because they have to commit to a 2 lakh you know hospital bill right and they forgot to buy insurance 
right? I mean, that's that's that sort of it, it boggles my mind that most people talk about financial planning without necessarily talking about insurance. I mean, how can you have any sort of financial plan without protecting your downside? I mean, that's one of the basic tenets of investing per se, protect the downside. And if you're not going to protect your downside when you're living paycheck to paycheck, right? What are you really doing? I mean, come on. Right? So, right. so we, we have these ideas. We want to mesh it into a product that'll be easy to use and sort of, you know, help people, like I said, uh, make less stupid decisions. I'm not saying we'll be able to tell you buy this stock and you'll be great. I don't know what stock will do well. I mean, I honestly don't. And I don't think anybody can do it on a consistent basis. But what I can do for you is tell you what not to do, right? How to stop making these stupid decisions and sort of how to protect your downside. And I think that's what we want to do. We want to build products that'll, that'll help people, you know, make better decisions. And we want to monetize that. FinShots is sort of our way to bridge this gap. Um, at least that's that's sort of the vision right now. But let's see how the future pans out. Uh, it's really modest of you to say that we build your product. I mean, we were the ones, but actually it's the content, uh, you know, which is uh, actually building. I mean, it's it's really, really amazing. I mean, it's, yeah, we, we are actually, uh, we were just, you know, helping, uh, like we, we were uh, helping our fellow members, you know, to reach out to that product that they build right. such an amazing content. But uh, yeah, it's really modest of you to say that we built it. Yeah, but 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 that's that's true though. I mean, I I don't think people like you said. It's just I mean, we know for a fact how hard it is to reach a new user base, right? We we know how hard it is to incrementally reach the next person that you want to reach, right? Even in an online business, it's it's not very easy, right? Yes, you could spend ridiculous amounts of money on cashback, etc., right? But if you don't have those resources, how do you get to let's say, you know, I mean, we're approaching two lakh you know, subscribers on our newsletter, right? I mean, it's a newsletter on financial content, specifically in English. Now think about the amount of people that be interested in a financial newsletter only in English, right? It's a very, very user group as is, right? And and the only way to incrementally reach more people is through, well, the customers, right? The readers, right? That's that's the only way you can do that. So so I'm, I'm not being modest there. It's, it's just it's just the fact of the matter. I, I know most people would think it's being modest, but but let me assure you, that one of the reasons why Pawan, who's, who's our co-founder, who specifically focuses on the outreach program is because we know how much value it adds, right? I mean, he constantly is talking to, to, to colleges. He's constantly talking to, um, you know, people like you. He's talking to people who, who might sort of, you know, be interested in the newsletter. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think I'm modest, but I think it's just, like I said, it's, it's, it's just, you know, premised on facts, um, nothing more. So, yeah, so, so that's how I see it. Yeah, so, so this would be probably the last question. So you want to know, like how you do it, that uh, the millennials are the ones who read uh, the most of your articles and they are the ones who, who are picking up the knowledge. But in the same way, the college students are the ones who aim to build a startup or who wish to, you know, start something on their own. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying the startup is booming right now. So how much do you think uh, people should trust in this concept of startup? Well, that's a very difficult question, I suppose, because because uh, I, I think most people will tell you that you know live a little, right? I mean, risk a little, right? I mean, do something that's that's brave, and and that's good, right? Most people should aspire to do things that are brave. I mean, we no longer go to battles, we no longer fight wars. There are a few people who do it, and we're extremely grateful for the you know, kind of sacrifice that they do on a you know on a daily basis. But most people don't have the opportunity to you know to go out there and be brave. So, so how can you do it, right? 
the only way we you can necessarily is by risking what you have and the only thing that you have is certainty what what i necessarily talked to you about right so if you're willing to risk a part of your certainty right and be brave and try and do new things perhaps you know the fruits will be worth it but i say perhaps because most people underestimate the risks involved in sort of you know starting up i mean you know when we graduated right out of college we had i think three other startups you know working alongside us all three no longer exist right they, they do something else now right i had a friend who sort of you know recently had to close down everything and look for a job because it didn't work out right um the fact of the matter is selection bias plays such a key role in sort of you know in 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 this whole journey of deciding whether you should start up that i think it's it's criminal for most people to not talk about failures more i i really do and that's one of the reasons why i mean if i, if I have an opportunity to talk about failures i just talk about that right? because because failure is an is is almost the most central aspect of starting a startup right and and the fact of the matter is you'll fail right you'll you'll fail so so it's very easy for me to sit here and say well be brave right well things worked out for me so it'll probably work out for you as well but what if it doesn't right? what what are you actually risking it's it's a very fine line to walk between recklessness and bravery i mean if you're reckless right and if you if you, if you sort of you know give up everything that you worked for and you're down in the dumps this this there's very little that you can do then there very few people are going to sort of pat you on the back and say well it's okay let's just walk let's just let's just try and get get back up right it's it seldom happens right most people have to pick up the pieces themselves and and it's a very terrible place to be in I don't think most people most people realize how desolate it can be sometimes when you're starting a startup and things aren't working for you, and and I think that's something that people have to realize. And so when I'm saying, well, you know, you have to be brave, I'm also saying, well, don't be reckless. Right? If if you're going to be reckless, it's probably it's it's probably well not worth it. Right? It's simply not worth it. Right? So I think one of the things that you'll have to ask yourself is, where are you in life? I mean, is 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 startup the only way sort of you know for you to for you to um make something of yourself i mean that's something that i think most people should ask themselves and if and if they feel that's the answer if if they feel like i did there's no escape right i i i can't live with existential threat i might as well you know you know fail trying something that i i'll probably regret 10 years down the line i mean if if this if this sense of regret is so overwhelming and you sort of can't do anything about it and you desperately want to change the world as some people do right? they want to change the world they they don't like to sort of whine about problems anymore if you're one of those people maybe you should be brave and stand up and say i'm going to do a startup but but if you're still on the tender hooks brother like just just like you know sit back and maybe think about it right don't be reckless Right. both men and women i said brother but for for everyone involved right everyone involved you, you you can't be reckless if you are like i said sometimes it's 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 not very pretty how things end so yeah that's perhaps the only advice i have for people who are willing to start up yeah yeah so actually just two more minutes like i just yeah. like this came up this question came up in my mind like when you were speaking about failure so uh, if you don't mind i just want to go ahead yeah no no problem yeah we can we can do that yeah Yeah. So, so like, what were some of the you know failures while starting Finchots, and like, how did you overcome them? That is one question. And like, yeah. another question is like, you mentioned that this was uh, an escape out for you. So, uh, do you think that this escape was worth it for you? Okay. So let's let's go back to the first question. Let's talk about some failures, right? Yeah. So most people look at the I am and the bar tag, and they think, oh, this guy had it easy, right? Well, <laughs> that is not true. So in my first year, right? I mean, considering the fact that I've written most of, I mean, I'm, I've written everything on Finception, 
uh, I've written most of what's on FinShots as well. Um, you'd think that, you know, I had sort of, well, I probably was a whiz kid in finance or something like that. But in the first year of, of my, my post-graduation, I, I got to see in accounting. I got to see in costing and control systems. I got to see in macroeconomics. I got to see in microeconomics. I got to see in probability and statistics one. I got to see in probability and statistics two. I got to see in every economics and finance subject that you could possibly think of. So much so that in the second year when we had to sort of, you know, pick electives ourselves, I desperately chose to do everything in my power to steer clear of finance. I took zero courses in, in the second year. The courses that I took in the second year, um, Bhagavad Gita. I took a course on, uh, I think, uh, exploring roles and identities. I took a course in participatory theater, took a course in communication. I took every single course that had nothing to do with finance and economics. Not just that, the co-founder, who's, who's Banu, right? my co-founder, he was actually very good at finance. He was reasonably good. I, I wouldn't say like the top whiskey, but he was pretty good. I was so, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, he was my best friend back in campus. So we, you know, I, I, you know, we do everything together. So in the second year, when he wanted to take a finance course, because, you know, usually finance courses, you get better grades, right? They're, they're very objective in the sense. Um, so, so, you know, it's not like subjective answers where you always get a B. If you're right, if, if you get it right, you get an A, right? Um, yeah. So even though he wanted to take, take sort of finance, I, I sort of, I said prevented him from taking finance courses as well. So we had two people with with no sort of financial background and nothing to do, right? So so so, so the question then is, how do you sort of you know end up working in the in the in the financial sector when when you have such a terrible track record, right? Well, I suppose the one thing that you have to remember is I had a terrible track record because I just didn't like the way finance was taught, and I I hated it. I just terrible. I, anything that I read on finance was so boring. That I despised it, but but I think starting in the first year, I think right out of college, once we sort of had you know we're, we're dipping our feet and we were working with the startup, I think that's when we had our first bouts of failure because I remember meeting people and they just thought we had no clue what we were doing, right? Um, I remember having a meeting, sitting down in one of the meetings with with with, with, with you know with, with somebody who's an important stakeholder. At least I think that person thinks he's an important stakeholder in what what we did eventually. Um, who, who went on to say, well, what do you even do in the startup, right? I mean, he looked at me and said, and he was right. I mean, what do I do, right? I, I don't know about finance. I can't do tech, right? I'm not very smart either, right? I, I didn't have the best grades. I, I don't think I had anything that is sort of worthwhile, right? Um, so I think that I took that sort of as a personal affront to 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 my ego, I suppose. And and so I thought, okay, what can I do? What What is the one thing that I could do? And so I really liked stories, right? So I thought if I'm going to do, you know, this, this whole finance thing, I'm going to read up as much as I can, but I'm not going to read from the textbooks. I'm going to read from storytellers. So I think one of the things that I did early on was, you know, read every book that I could find my hands on that had really good storytelling. So I'd read a random walk down Wall Street, right? Because, 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 you know, Burton Malkiel is one of the best storytellers out there when it comes to talking about financial stock markets, right? finance and stock markets. I'd, I'd read Peter Lynch, right? Because he told stories about stocks. I read, uh, tried to read Benjamin Graham, but, but not necessarily, you know, it's not, it's not very easy, but, but I, I, I tried to read about, you know, anything that, that could get me excited, right? About psychology and investing, about, about behavioral economics, right? Richard Taylor. Um, I, I did anything that I could get my hands on so that I stopped being so shitty, man. Like I, I just didn't want to feel so bad. I just didn't want to feel so worthless. Right? So, so I, I, I just, I just did that. And luckily for us, we ended up writing these stories and I could finally put some of these skills to use. Uh, one of the first stories I remember we wrote was on, on, I think Aisha Motors, right? 
and i spent about 15 days writing that story because i wanted to be perfect and and you know back then i was reading this book good to great um uh, by by this gentleman I, i i don't remember but but yeah um a uh, jim collins yeah it was jim collins right so i was reading this book and i realized uh and and there's this quote where he says you know um and it's a very profound quote i, I wrote about it recently but it says uh, good is the enemy of great right because because you know so many people are comfortable being just good that they don't want to be aspire to be great and that's how the first story starts that's how our first stock stock story began so that i i took that sort of you know um to my heart and said okay fine i'm 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 trying to be less good now so how about we try and do the best that we can right do the best that we can so so i just i, I you know we we just sat together i mean not just me right i mean pano pavan and uh, and and everyone involved right it was everybody just sort of wanted to be better than everybody out there right? because it just seemed like nobody nobody really took us seriously everybody thought okay these guys are just doing it because you know they have a stipend incoming and and you know it works for them um so yeah the first year was terrible because nobody gave us a shot we were outsiders uh we were yeah no you know nobody had done anything on the content space and we were just trying to make a name for ourselves so, so it was extremely hard it was it was it was it was riddled with sort of failures because like i said nobody took us seriously but ultimately i suppose you know the second question that you asked is it worth it of course it does i mean the fact that we're talking today is 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 fact that you know it's sort of evidence that maybe we did do something right right i mean looking back maybe maybe we did you know change some things right i mean people are trying to do different things now I, every single day i look at uh, i look at uh, linkedin or i look at you know twitter i see a new substack coming up people want to explain things now right? i'm not saying people didn't do that earlier but i suppose it's sort of you know, now people want to do their own newsletters people people more and more people are sort of getting into the ecosystem saying you know what i'm going to explain uh telecommunication i'm going to explain law i'm going to explain that many people did that before us as well right but in the newsletter context right i'm i'm seeing so many newsletter there is so i mean i mean it's sort of hard to sort of detach uh what we did with with sort of you know what's happening right now and 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 i'm so glad to be a part of that journey i i i hope to god that some of these people were sort of inspired by finshots to do this stuff because more people need to be told better stories if you don't tell good stories people are going to keep you know binging on mindless stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense so so i think looking back even if if this whole startup thing doesn't work out i can look back you know in the in the things that we did and i'm hoping that all of my co-founders can do the same as well and look look back at this time with pride right? I, i hopefully they can they can look back at it with pride and say you know what we did something different and and we did we did make a dent in the ecosystem um yeah so so yeah i i think hopefully that answered both questions yeah sir like yeah it was uh i mean yeah it, it did answer and like thanks a lot i mean for accepting yeah. it was it was really 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 amazing and great to speak to you i personally yeah. learned a lot of things in this one hour conversation and i'm really grateful and thankful to you yeah uh, so so uh, so from your journey what the listeners and viewers are going to take back is whether they love finance whether they don't know about it or have you know a very little knowledge about it uh, startups like finshots is the place for them uh, to find out the knowledge and gain that knowledge so that is something that you have given to the viewers and listeners today from the second episode of uh, casting commerce this is it please do like share and subscribe we are available on youtube and spotify thank you thank you so much yeah thank you naman thank you darshan it's nice talking to you, you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.